Welcome to the Fresh RN Podcast. The information contained in this podcast is meant to supplement your existing knowledge and not replace it. Always refer to your state board of nursing, standards of care, and respective institutions' policies to guide your practice. All identifying patient details have been changed to protect their privacy and remain compliant with the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act of 1996. Thanks, nurses. Stay fresh. Nobody cares about that. Okay. Focus on your tech. Next time. Say, well, Melissa told me wrong. Ground control. Nitro snap time. Let's regroup a little bit. All right, guys, welcome to the podcast. Today we're going to be talking about mistakes. My name is Katie Cleaver. Hey, guys, my name is Elizabeth Mills. I'm Melissa Stafford. We're a bunch of nurses. And guess what, guys? We've made mistakes before. I think when I was in nursing school and going through that whole process, somehow I thought you went to nursing school. And then when you got done, you were just, if you were a good nurse, you didn't make mistakes. <laughs> and if you did make mistakes, you were a bad nurse. Did any of you, did either of you have that kind of like, oh, nurses, if you're taking care of people, then there's no way you make mistakes. Did, did any of you have that? Um, just, I just remember being very, very, very afraid. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's really what I remember. And I, I agree. I was terrified. Terrified of messing something up. But then again, I knew so little. Like you, you, yeah. you don't know. I mean, there's so much you don't know. And hopefully, you're aware that there's I mean, a lot. I you think don't my know. focus yeah. was yeah. was on like making sure the right medications were given to the right patient, and I had the right, I used the right identifiers, basic, basic things like that. And there's so many more areas <laughs> where errors can occur. Yeah. It. Oh. I mean. Oh my goodness! Yes. Yeah, like this, you, I started out before we scanned barcodes. Me too. Oh, I literally did not. we we charted it. Like we got the meds, we gave them to the patient, then we went back and charted it in a computer system. But we didn't scan anything. It is we hard gave a to PRN med. You had to type in the time. You typed in the dose. Like this whole scanning thing. Now I can't imagine. I'm showing my age. <laughs> Why not, do you know something before that? Before that? <laughs> Did you chart it on a, a MAR, like on a paper form? We did have a paper form, yeah. but I remember at nursing school, like we had to go and, and get all of our medicines together. And then they had uh, basically a huge MAR for the entire unit. And you had to, if you gave it, you had to circle it and initial it and then write the time. And then if you didn't, you put one line through it and initialed it in the time. But individual, one by one, like there was literally a line at the medication book when I was in nursing school. <laughs> That, I remember if you seeing could think of a paper mar. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> I can't. We're so spoiled now. <laughs> well, I've I've been a nurse six years, and I cannot imagine not scanning barcodes. When we started having to scan barcodes, I was like, "This is going to take forever." Yeah. yeah, really. Yeah, and and I don't even think at that point. I think we just started scanning barcode on meds. I don't think we were scanning patient bracelets I yet. think you're yeah I think you're right oh. and then we started scanning the bracelets wow. and yeah I mean I, it was just I was like this is gonna this take is forever never yeah. <laughs> and when you're on a unit and you're in night shift and you're working on a regular floor and you have seven patients oh my gosh and they're all like you know stroke patients with 
they have to crush their meds. Bedridden, you have to crush their meds. And I'm not kidding. They're probably on 10 pills a piece. Oh, easy. Every two hours. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it just, I was just like, this is, yeah, no, it took a very long time to get used to the scanning. Now I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine. Not not scanning well and you know too there's uh, yeah like you think medications that's it but there's a lot of error potential for error like maybe you have to send a patient to surgery and you forgot to give them their beta blocker or you know you send them to um uh to get a cta and you forget to give them fluids or hold their metformin or whatever you know drops in communication breaches in policy inserting a foley incorrectly like you know Forgetting to recycle a blood pressure, like this is one I got burned on, was my patient was on a vasoactive drip and somebody took the blood pressure cuff off, maybe to be give a bath or maybe the patient took it off themselves or maybe it was therapy or something. And then, happens a lot. And then it times out and then it doesn't keep recycling. And the next thing I know, it's been two hours and I don't have one blood pressure on this patient on nicardipine. Lots of error, lots of potential for error, not just around giving someone the wrong med. But typically, these pro- changes in processes, i.e., now scanning barcodes and scanning patient bracelets and things, have come about because mistakes were made. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And improve process improvements. Yeah. Occur because we realize there was an it's issue. Not right. It's not because you know you're a bad nurse. You're a bad nurse, or we don't have anything else better to do than to figure out. I mean, literally, it's usually because something has happened. Yeah. So, anyways, we're going to chat about ways to avoid said mistakes, <laughs> and then we're going to talk about, so you made one. What do you, What the heck do you do? And we're also going to chat about some mistakes that we made. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, we'll actually... Um, a study by researchers at John Hopkins actually say that medical error medical errors should rank as the third leading cause of death in the United States. So to think that you're going to not make a mistake is kind of like, well, you know, um, it's it's a big it's a big thing. It it can it can be harmless and no big deal, or it can be catastrophic and actually kill someone. The potential for harm is profound. So how, let's go through some tips on how new nurses can avoid mistakes. Well, the biggest thing is, number one, is respect the fact that anything that you do, you can potentially make a mistake on. You have to pay attention to what you're doing and ask for help. Don't assume anything that you don't know. That's really where, where the, whether you're a new grad or a transitional nurse or an experienced nurse, don't assume that you know how to do something that you don't know how to do. Mm. And when you ask for help, though, it's very, very important that you understand a couple of things as a new grad. First, as a new grad, when you ask for help, your instructor, your preceptor, they, the, whoever was supervising you had the responsibility to know the hospital policy mm-hmm. and adhere to the hospital policy. As a credentialed nurse, that is now your responsibility. So if I go to another nurse and ask them, I don't know, how to, how to do a bladder pressure monitor, for example, um, I need to be mindful of the fact that they may show me a way to do it, but that, that way may not reflect hospital policy. And it's up to me to go to the right resource to check a policy to know what it says. Mm-hmm. And that is something that 
you have to keep in mind. I don't think any nurse out there would intentionally lead another nurse astray. They really wouldn't. But policies change for a reason. They get updated based on the latest research. Yes, the latest research and evidence. Evidence-based practice is like the key buzzword out there right now. So it's important that you look up a policy and be familiar with it for yourself. Yes, for yourself. And they, these things we've all actually set on policy review, I believe. Mm-hmm. So it's like these things actually should there should get routinely reviewed. So if someone you're asking for help went through orientation 10 years ago and is setting up a bladder pressure monitor from what they learned in orientation, I guarantee the policy has changed since then. Oh, well, I mean, that's probably one of my favorite things about precepting, honestly, is that it forces me to go and look up the new policies. Yep. Because I got to show my new person how to find the policy oh, yeah, and what to look for. And <laughs> let's take a look at what it says. Internally, you're like, it. look at that change. <laughs> and I don't know, I mean, if when you guys are checking your email, at, you know, during the week, I think there's like four or five policy changes that come out every week. Oh, uh, something. That's what it feels it's like. It's yeah. overwhelming. Mm-hmm. It is. It really is. And it's funny because, you know, one that I think about a lot is central undressing changes. Yes. So um, when I first started taking care of central undressings and we'd remove a line, you would put Vaseline gauze on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you would put dry gauze, then you would put a, a dressing on there. And then I remember precepting and pulling up the policy because as I'm pulling out everything that I need with my little Vaseline gauze, um, I pulled up the policy and I was like, where did the Vaseline gauze go? Mm-hmm. What do you mean? They're going to get an air embolus. Like, why are we not doing this? Um, so I had to adapt my practice when I was teaching my new nurse the correct way to remove a central line. And the irony being is just this week we were looking at the policy again and petroleum jelly is back with the policy. Is it really? I'm like, <laughs> really? No, you know what policy <laughs> that I saw change that, and two, like when policies change, it's really, it does, it, it's how you run, your, do your practice. So you have to do what it says. Mm-hmm. And like for neuro, we're very, whenever we're doing anything with the brain, like never use alcohol. Yeah. Always alcohol use betadine. Alcohol is neurotoxic. No, alcohol is neurotoxic. You never use it. You always use betadine. Well, what was that? Like two years ago, uh, it, policy or research has shown actually use ne- alcohol. Using alcohol is better than betadine. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, hey, what are you yeah. So it, that's why it's so important because it's not like these big overarching um, good idea things. It's no, these, this is practical stuff to, that kind of really guides your practice. And you have to be responsible for looking at that policy. Yeah. Me saying Melissa showed me how to remove a central line thing as, and I'm not on orientation. I'm out on my own. And I say, well, Melissa told me wrong. Nobody cares about that. You're a professional nurse and should be able to look up the policy to guide whatever your the decisions you're going to make absolutely and if you don't know it don't guess <laughs> yes. yes do not guess. even if it's like i gotta do this right now no if you guessing is not not gonna work you take the take a moment to look up to do it the right way or if you can delegate it to your lead rn or someone else another rn who who knows how to do it and is competent in doing it then by all means go ahead but don't don't say, well, I think it's done this way. And go. <laughs> no. Because there's room for harm. Um, the next kind of point we have is to not take shortcuts. That, you know, with nurses and workarounds and our uh, time management and wanting to be as effective as possible or efficient as possible, 
sometimes shortcuts are a good idea. And then many times, though, they're not. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to go ahead and say they're just not a good idea. Um, so like, for example, and this actually, I'll go ahead and share one of mine. My first med error was when I was, um, I don't know if I was on orientation or not, but I was, it was close to that time. I was scanning a bunch of pills for a guy and I had to cut low pressure in half and it said I had to cut it in half. But then I was like, oh, I'm going to just scan the rest of these meds real quick. And then I'm scanning the rest of them mentally thinking I've got to cut the low pressure. Someone asked me a question about my, another patient that probably needed something. So I went to address that, and I came back, and I gave the guy his meds, completely forgetting to cut, the low to cut the low pressure. So he got double what he was supposed to get. So, uh, And that was because I was like, oh, it'll just be faster if I just scan them all. Mm-hmm. And while it would have been faster, it doesn't mean it was safer. So he it was fine like he actually was taking triple the amount at home and i honestly don't even after looking at his chart i don't even know why he was on such a small dose of low pressure probably he actually probably could have used my extra little boost <laughs> i gave him but then i also i had to go through the process of the fact that i made a mid error and so i had to go through that whole process which we will talk about but part of that included notifying the doctor and i worked at a teaching hospital so i had to tell this attending in front of five residents that i made a mistake and it was really embarrassing. And mm-hmm. I did not like it. Even though to her, she was like, okay. It's like she <laughs> did not. Oh, go ahead and just mo- take a couple extra blood pressures. See ya. Like that was it. <laughs> but so don't take shortcuts. I don't know if you guys have any other examples of some shortcuts that, you know, just. You know, I, I think scanning, since we were just talking about medications, you know, a lot of nurses are get get in a rush to give medicines and and will say oh let me just go ahead and give this medicine and then i'll scan it in a second uh-huh. mm. and that you know you could grab the wrong drug you could have the wrong dosage and and these scannings are not the scan itself makes sure that you have the right patient that you have the right drug that you have the right dose. Mm-hmm. And if you bypass any of those steps, then maybe you pulled both of your patient's medications in one one trip to the Pixis mm-hmm. and you happened to grab the wrong, you know, you didn't separate them correctly. Or maybe you went to the Pixis and the medication was loaded incorrectly and you didn't really take that into oh, account when you're grabbing the medicine. Yep. What or do you mean this isn't right? Oh, that's not what I thought it was. It was the med right next to it. Right. I mean, you know, it's... And, and it'll prompt you um, if you don't scan um, or if you scan the wrong dosage. So it, it prompts you right then to half it or mm-hmm. to only give part of it or or what have you. I mean, there's a reason why. It also cross-checks allergies. I've so, had that before where I thought a patient was fine and then, you know, you scan it and it's like, oh, wait, they're, they aren't allergic to the med, but they're allergic to a, an some, ingredient an ingredient in the med that only the pharmacist would have known. Right, absolutely. The, the doctor wouldn't have. And that may be in an emergency, too. So you have a patient, say, who's actively seizing, and they tell you to go get Ativan, and you rush and give the Ativan. Well, that's perfectly acceptable for a patient who's seizing, except for you didn't look at the Ativan and found out that they have reactions to it. I mean, you know, it's 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 really a significant... You don't want to get in the mindset that it, it takes too long to scan because it's there as a safety check. Right. And actually, big picture wise, it ended up being faster than whatever was happening. Before. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, these policies, these procedures are in place for a reason. They're there because either mistakes have been made or there are more efficient um, ways to do it or better uh, evidence to reflect the changes that have been made to the policy. And that's why you need to be mindful of that. 
So whenever those little, and especially when giving meds, because that's kind of one of the biggest errors, potentials for um, harm is while giving meds, um, if there's any prompts that come up, address them as they come up. Yes. So like if you're scanning a bunch of stuff and you're scanning insulin and it tells you how much to draw up, just draw it up right there. Or if it's a, or one of the, or I, uh, like if you're given an IV partial dose, mm -hmm. don't just put in whatever it's supposed to be and keep going. Like draw up the partial dose when that's up, if that makes sense. That okay. way you don't miss it. Absolutely. So yeah, no shortcuts, guys. Um, next one, focus on your task. Um, that actually, so important. oh, and the, if you think about that quick example of the low presser, mm -hmm. I was not focused. Somebody was bugging me and I didn't say, hold up, I'm busy. I lost focus. And um, I mean, personally with me, I know that now, especially when I'm passing meds in a, in a patient room, if I'm out by, if I'm near the nurse station, I hear the phone ring or you know, someone's at the desk. It, it annoys me because I'm like, oh my God, I need to get that phone. I need to go. I, I, I have to almost, I turn my back because I'm like, no, I'm going to stay in this room and I'm going to yes. do, finish what I'm doing. It's, it's so hard because we were, we're taught to multitask, mm -hmm. but when it comes to med passing and, you know, hanging IV fluids or hanging IV medications or you really need to stick to what you're doing at that moment and kind of just say you know what they if that person wants to call back they can call back right that person at the station can and it really drives me crazy when people come up to me and I'm really doing something important like hanging a drip like especially a vasoactive drug and you know I've got to put the weight you know you're putting it into oh, yeah. your pump and someone's coming at you and asking you a bunch of questions I do I've gotten to the point where I'm rude and I'm always like hold up stop um and it's not because it's just it's just frankly it's just a big safety. Yeah, assertive ICU nurse. I can't stop. Please do not interrupt me. I am I am uh, focusing. And actually, I found too something I don't think patients really connect the dots with is that when you're programming an IV pump, that that's part of giving meds. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of patients that'll try to talk while I'm doing that. Yeah, yeah. So and and also though some family members are like. Leave her alone. She's trying to do da, 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 Or they'll talk to you. Or they'll talk to you. And it's like, <laughs> you're uh, like, okay. how long have you been doing this? What, you know, where are you from? <laughs> yes. And I'm trying to make just... nice small talk. But it's like, oh, hold on one second. I really want to hear what you have to say, but let me focus real quick. You can say it in a real casual, lighthearted, not telling someone to shut up, but you're kind of telling them to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, or, or also, I don't think, like, also with, like, when you're leveling an art line, mm -hmm. um, that you can that can screw up medications because you're basing your, um, you know, off of their blood pressure. And if, mm -hmm. if they're distracting you while you're trying to, you know, find the axis and do all that kind of stuff, then it can mess up the meds. So and pushing IV medications, if you're distracted and you mm -hmm. lose track of how quickly you're pushing mm -hmm. medications, I mean, it can have some pretty significant impact on that. Yeah, so there's never, you don't want to be rude to people, but you can be assertive. And mm -hmm. that is definitely a time to do that. And I definitely, I used to think as a nurse, I had to be all things to everybody. And I had to say yes and get to everybody and help them as quickly as possible. Like, I thought that was what I had to do. But then it's like, wait a second. That is not, safety is always the priority. Always. Not, I mean, patient satisfaction and being nice to people and all that's great. But if I'm not being safe, none of that matters. Exactly. So it's like, that person that's calling can wait. That person that is really frustrated at the front desk because they want to talk to somebody right now, 
they're gonna wait until I am done administering medication. Like you just you just have to. They're doing procedures. It's the same thing. You know, we've talked a lot about medicines, but you know, if you're in the middle of a sterile dressing change or drawing blood cultures or whatever procedure you're in the middle of doing, that's what requires your focus at that moment. Mm -hmm. Everything else needs to wait. Even lab, drawing labs, I know now there are more safety measures in place with making sure we draw the correct labs and label our labs with the correct patient label, et cetera. But, you know, that's a big margin for error, too. Or it, it, It's safer now, I find. There's more processes in place, but that used to be a big common error, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, moving on, um, kind of understanding, having a good understanding of, of the disease process and the pathophysiology that you're, that you're caring for with your patient. Yeah, so you're not just like mindlessly completing tasks. Right. You're not like just this workhorse that just, yes, sir, doctor, I will do this. It's like you understand why you're drawing the serial BMPs for the patient on hypertonic saline. And you understand why, I don't know, 20 other whys. But, you know, you understand why you have to get a bladder scan of somebody who you pulled a Foley out of eight hours ago. You know, so like why, what what could potentially be going on here? Um, because if you understand the big picture and you understand the why and why something is really important, you're, you're more likely to, val- it's kind of like patients taking their meds. Like if they understand why they're taking their meds, they're going to be more compliant. If you understand the reasoning behind, behind what you're doing, what you're doing, you're going to realize how important it is. Yeah. And you're going to be able to pick up too on um, changes. So mm. if you, if you have a patient with a, that's had a stroke and today is day three, then you know that if you're having changes or that you might have changed because today is day three, Mm -hmm. or if you have a patient in DKA and you understand the things that you're looking for to to correct DKA with fluids and looking at your NI and GAP and some other things that happen. I mean, there's, you learn to anticipate complications much quicker, Mm -hmm. which means that you're less likely to miss something going forward too. So it can be understanding the quote unquote simple thing, like why to draw a blood sugar all the way up to understanding the 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 whole and as a new nurse you're not going to understand the entire pathophysiology behind a PE but you know learning learning that as you can will really really make a difference for you kind of long term and i think another just kind of a general statement is a lot of times for a mistake or something to reach a patient I always think of the Swiss cheese model. Oh, I love the Swiss cheese model. Swiss cheese, cheese, cheese and all the holes line up. Mm-hmm. For example, um, this is when we, before we went to electronic medical record, but physicians would write orders in the chart. The chart, the, the order sheet would get scanned to pharmacy or our uh, unit secretary would enter orders. The nurse had to verify that the orders were incorrectly and verify the meds were put in correctly. And then at the end of the shift, you went through the previous shift's orders. You checked off and signed off that you went over the end of shift. Well, this was actually a particular case where my patient was supposed to get a certain chemo drug. And the order was written, and it was faxed to pharmacy, and it was signed off that it was faxed to pharmacy. 
um, a pharmacy had never put in the medication to be verified because they had a bunch of questions. So what had happened was they had called to speak to the nurse because they had questions about this particular chemo drug. The nurse was busy, didn't come to the phone. Um, so that verification, that medication was not, that it wasn't addressed. So then what happened was that like the, the I guess um, the nurse or the, the unit secretary had put like a little like slash out by the, the medication well, it was it was never like looked back or checked back. So at the end of the shift, the nurses went through the previous shift's orders. That medication was overlooked again. Pharmacy didn't call back to to talk to the nurse or to talk to the physician about what is this medication for. Well, it was two days before that particular physician came back to round on the patient, and the patient had not gotten the chemo drug, and it was oh it was a missed. So it reached the patient. It was an issue that reached the patient. It did not cause the patient harm, but it was all of those processes in place that all got missed, all got lined up, and that's where the the mistake occurred. It was multiple disciplines. Which is usually how that happens. It is. So you can't always, I don't, you, you always should admit yes when you make a mistake, but typically when it's a big deal, it's multiple areas that are, or multiple systems that are involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually, while you were talking, I was thinking of another example where like, you know, maybe a patient got a gram of IV Tylenol after surgery and then they're getting Tylenol or they're getting Norco every four hours and then Percocet every eight hours. And, you know, that would go through the and then you can easily overdose someone on Tylenol. Well, that goes through the physician that's ordered it, the pharmacist that's approved it and the nurse's that are continuing to administer it. So it, it hits multiple disciplines. So, you know, I'll put, I'll, I'll try to find a, the Swiss cheese, like, diagram thing to put in with these show notes. But I think it's really important to keep in mind. So then, you know, let's go into why we've made, or what do you do when you've made a mistake? Because an important aspect of this is reporting them appropriately so that if any process changes need to occur, that they do. Yeah, I mean, you've made a mistake. You need to make sure the patient is stable. And you have to do what you need to do immediately in that moment to help the patient. But right after that, it's time to go and notify the people that need to know. Right. So that generally starts with a physician. And really being upfront and honest about what happened. Because if there needs to be any kind of intervention afterwards, then that physician needs to know exactly what happened so that they can order the correct Mm -hmm. diagnostics, lab work you know, orders that need to get put in, that they have all that and and they need all that information to make sure that they order everything that needs to be done. Mm -hmm. So um, you also need to probably talk to your charge nurse, lead her in, see well, whatever, whatever the title is these days of, or the facility where you work to let them know as well. Um, The manager can be helpful, you know, nothing's worse for a manager than coming in after the fact to find out that something's happened. It kind of catches them off guard because they oftentimes will get uh, information from other areas within the hospital when the mistake is identified. So preparing them on the on the front end is very important. And that's pretty, that's so important professionalism-wise to maintain a good relationship with your managers to say, hey, look, I messed up. Yeah. You're going to see this. Actually, that happened one of the last times I worked where uh, I had a patient come back from the OR 
and I didn't realize that there were orders that needed to be released because they were like not they're in a new place. Yeah, they're they're kind of hidden off to the side a little bit. Yeah, and I didn't I didn't even know to look there. So I got the patient back. I was having a great shift. I thought they were doing fine. The doctor comes by. Why well, aren't my orders done? And I'm like, what orders? I didn't see any orders come in. I'm like, what are you talking about? I would gladly get those orders done for you. <laughs> that happened to me too. I, I sent a patient for surgery and they had ordered a an EKG that was kind of like I'd already looked at all my orders. I'd reviewed my chart. I had done my normal thing and I get them over to the, the holding area and the anesthesiologist like, where's the 12 lead? I'm like, what 12 lead? I didn't see that you ordered a 12 lead. Yeah. Where's this 12 lead? And he, you know, we kind of have this two separate areas where you have current orders and then held orders. And he had put it in the held orders. And I just honestly wasn't expecting to look there. Yeah. And so the patient got there, hadn't had a 12 lead. And to say he was displeased <laughs> is true because they don't typically do 12 leads there. You know, for us, it's not a, not a big deal. We've got the wires. We can hook them up in the critical care units or, you know, on the regular floors, they've got the EKG people that come around with their little machine and hook them up and do it. But they don't do that very often in, the, in that particular area. So it mm -hmm. just, it slowed things down. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's. It's important, yeah, when the, you go through that stuff to let whomever that error is going to run across whomever's desk, you yes. <laughs> kind of just let them know, like, hey, just so you know, I missed this. Like, actually, whenever I had experienced making a mistake, I'd always email my manager after the shift, like, just so you know, you're going to probably see this report or you're going to see the QAR or whatever it is we'll talk about. Um, you're going to see this come by. Um, I just wanted to let you know this is what happened or something like that so that they heard it from me first yeah i think that's kind of important and i think it there's a lot more respect when you can come out and say i did this you mm -hmm. know or or you know i take responsibility or you know i missed this order or you know you know obviously apologize but you know say what 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 should we do now or mm -hmm. i mean yeah, if you come with ideas for how to prevent it from happening in the future, I mean, that yep. really makes a big difference, too. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, and then sometime, you know, and you and if there's any additional steps that need to be taken, like talking to, you know, other departments like risk management or something, the, when you're touching base with your manager, they can uh, let you know, hey, we probably should talk to blank or, it, you know, because sometimes you need to do that. Um so it's important to make sure you have all the people notified that need to be notified. Mm -hmm. um, so that's really important. But let's, we also do want to say, talk about how important documentation is. <laughs> and I'll let My Melissa talk about box. this. She's, I'm setting up the soapbox right now, y'all. She's getting, she's standing up on it. Oh my word. That is so my soapbox. Um, so documentation is so important. Um, it, I can't even begin to explain the importance of it. it. It's really, you have to put what happened in the medical record. You really have to put in the objective data as far as what happened and what, what, what did you do? What was happening beforehand? What was the mistake? And then what, what did you do about it? Mm -hmm. um, it's, you have to stick to the facts. You're not going to put anything in there accusing somebody else of anything. This is all, you know. I've objective again. Objective, yes. Objective, objective. Okay. All right. So uh, Melissa's going to hop on her documentation, like, 
<laughs> yes, Melissa's gonna hop on that documentation soapbox. 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 Um, yes. Yeah, so please, please, please document well. Document thoroughly. Um, you need to make sure that that you are mindful of what is subjective data versus objective data and making sure that you stick with objective data as much as possible. Absolutely. You need to document the facts, all important pertinent information of the events leading up to whatever happened. So anything kind of precursors to that event, you need to document what the event was and then kind of what you did with it, what you did about it, what the response to the patient was. Mm-hmm. So, for example, say you pushed a medication too fast. So let's say I, I Zofran. don't know. So, uh, well, yeah. Although I was, <laughs> yes, you can do that. You can cause QT interval changes with Zofran. Um, but if you push it too fast, then, you know, you say administering four milligrams of IV Zofran was uh, injected okay. over, say, 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, patient... No EKG changes noted. Patient's nausea subsided. We'll continue to monitor for EKG changes, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And um, and then you you go back to whatever your hospital's documentation requirements are for any kind of issue. So whether there's lots of different things out there, journey reports, QARs, there's so many words out there for whatever the facility uses it for. But that that is kind of a a way for the hospital to kind of delve a little deeper into what happened. Yeah, so, so the medical record needs to be about what happened to the patient and then whatever that other documentation piece is for uh, some sort of report for the facility is going to be allow those people to then look into the medical record and evaluate kind of some of the other subjective things that may contribute, like were you short-staffed that day right. or <laughs> um was there a shortage of medications or, you know, whatever the case may be. That's that's where the subjective piece starts coming into it is after the fact. Yeah, so that uh, incident reporting, I guess that can be Incident gen- report, that's a good one, That yes. could be our general term because there's a lot of different reporting systems. Mm-hmm. That so is you've very got, true. You've got your medical record where you put in your objective stuff, but then when, and you never put in the, I remember this very clearly from nursing school and things since, you never put in the medical record that you filled out an incident report. No. You never do that. Nope. Because if for some reason that went to um, lawsuit stuff, then it that's um, basic discovery, and then they can go into the journey or the uh, incident reporting. So the incident reporting is very different. It's something that you do, um, however the hospital policy is, but it, it does add a lot more information about you know like any other variables that are not pertinent to the medical record. Yes. So it's like yeah, we were short staffed, or yeah, like the. Um, there was no the failure of the safety mechanism to go in after I gave a sub Q injection or like you know mm-hmm. what I mean like yes. ah, I can't think of but that that kind of stuff so that's important to make sure that you're documenting appropriately in both the medical record and in whatever incident reporting and right. and typically incident reporting you feel some a mistake happens and I got I've I've filled out quite a few incident reports myself Absolutely. I'm sure you both have yes. where something has gone wrong and whether whether or not I was involved or not, I, you know, I had to fill out this form and it goes to my manager and I don't know who all it goes to, but, it, you know, they it goes by their desk and they ha- and it goes to the powers that be so that they have to ad- address whatever. So. And, and do an investigation. And that's the thing that's considered like a process improvement kind of thing. So that is protected by different statutes than what the, the medical record is. Mm. And that, that kind of goes to your point that if you put in the medical record that 
there was a some sort of incident report, then that there's a question of whether or not that then becomes discoverable, which mm. under normal circumstances it wouldn't have been. Mm-hmm. So, um, but it does, and you can tell, you know, like I, I remember one time, well, more than one time, but um, and this was kind of before scanning as well, is that uh, I was giving an antibiotic and I had a sticker that came up with the antibiotic and it said that say I'm giving ANSEF to this patient. And that, that's what the order was, was for ANSEF. But then I looked at the bag that they actually sent me, and they sent me Rosethin instead. Mm. So, you know, if, if if you scan the label and not the medication, if it's the wrong label, then, mm-hmm. you know. So in that, I would still fill out an incident report for that mm-hmm. um, so that pharmacy can then go back and look and investigate and, you know, things like that. So it's important for medical record to include what happened then it's important for your incident report so they can go back and look at other things and the thing is when we talk about legal cases your documentation is going to be key to any kind of legal defense or any kind of case review because you know depending on what kind of facility that you're what area of of nursing that you're working in statute of limitations is very different Mm -hmm. so but honestly you know say something happened today and a family decided to sue they're not going to be in court tomorrow. That's going to be, you know, a few years down the line, most likely. And you're not going to remember everything that happened. Mm -hmm. So you doing a good job documenting is going to, is going to help you because if it's not in your medical record, it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. So um, I can remember a case where we had a patient that came in with so many bed sores, so many bed sores, three pages of bed sores. And literally, as a team effort, we um, we documented, measured, and documented every single one of those pressure sores. Woo-wee. Man, That's it a took lot. it was a lot, and it took a really long time. But I, and I don't know what happened. But all I remember is the nurse that was caring for that patient did get called back in for um, kind of a, a case review, and it was complimented very significantly on the level of documentation that that nurse had done, and and that is really what really really helped with that. Wow. So. Um, Really important. So important. Documentation is so important. So let's say, okay, let's regroup a little bit. Um, you know, what we do on a daily basis has a significant impact on a patient's care. However, it's re- remember, no, pers- no person or no nurse is perfect. Um, and anyone that thinks that they can become a nurse and be perfect and never mess up is just truly in denial it's <laughs> just lying to themselves lying. <laughs> lying. Um, so when whenever a mistake happens I think it's important to accept the mistake uh, we can't look to transfer blame it's important to have while maybe someone else does have a have a um, a role in whatever mistake it's also it's important to accept the responsibility for whatever role that you may have had absolutely um and without doing that, it's really hard to learn from mistakes. Um, and uh, what was it? You know, people who keep make mis- keeping make mistakes would learn a lot more from them if they weren't in denial. That's one of those good quotes I've heard before. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, you know, but honestly, especially online, you know, no one is talking to other nurses who have struggled with this. Most of the time you'll find that no one is harder on the nurse that makes the error than themselves. Like, I think we we can be a little bit of our own worst enemy. Like, maybe we think we are going to be that perfect nurse, and then we screw up, and it's like, wait a minute. Like, everything I thought I was, I'm not. And it's like, well, wait a second. Like, that's, I don't know. I, I agree. I mean, I, I remember the first big thing that I did, and I questioned 
my choice as a career. Mm-hmm. Like, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. I'm not meant to do this. I can't do this. There's no way. And and that is, you really are being your your own worst enemy. Yep. And it's hard. You have to you have to accept that responsibility, but then you have to take that a step further and really forgive yourself for making that mistake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you have to forgive yourself and remember that you're a human, and and that's gonna that yeah. it's gonna happen. And if you think that you're above mistakes and perfect and such a good nurse that you'll never do it, I think you get to that point where you're the most dangerous because you're so unaware. So it's important to forgive yourself, accept the mistake, and then forgive yourself and allow and allow that mistake to empower you to be a better nurse. Yes. So because just because you screwed up doesn't mean that. Um, the the burden from that mistake does not get to steal the joy from the rest of your life and the rest of your career. Absolutely. It's not going to be this heavy burden where you can't continue to serve and can, can't continue to be, have a wonderful impact on your patients because you gave a wrong med or um, pushed something too fast or what, you know, whatever the mistake may have been. And if you think about our responsibility in our day-to-day job, I mean, we, uh, our, the patient's lives are in our hands in a sense. Mm-hmm. We have a huge, huge responsibility. I mean, there are many, many hundreds, thousands of jobs that are so super important, but, you know, we're, we're taking care of a person. Mm-hmm. And so um, we have to be on our game 100% of the time, and we are human, and it's, it's just not going to always be possible. Right. You know, and I think in nursing school, you learn about this theoretical perfect nursing world. Yeah. It doesn't exist. You know, there are flawed policies. There are lack of resources. There's short staffing. There's um, not patients that are not wanting to be compliant with whatever. You know, there's just so many variables that can, you know, and then there's nurses that are tired and exhausted and on hour 11 of the fourth 12-hour shift in a row, you know. So I think it's important to, number you know, accept your mistake, forgive yourself, and then also talk to someone. It can be your leader, mentor. Hopefully you have a mentor. Um, so if you're seeing a counselor, talk to your counselor. EAP is big. A lot of hospitals. Uh, so can, can you um, explain EAP, EAP a little bit? Um, it's, it's employee, it stands for employee assistance program. And it's usually, um, typically in most business, a lot of businesses actually have it, but, um, you can go to, they'll recommend a counselor. You can find a counselor that's within their, that's within the network. And usually you get up to five free sessions. Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, the amount of stress that we deal with in our job and then the amount of stress that people deal with in their home life, I mean, use that up. I mean, yeah. use it because it's it's tremendously beneficial. Um, and it is, you're, you're going to talk to a professional who can give you ways to handle stress, cope with your day-to-day job. Um, it's, it's an awesome benefit. Um, and, you know, I know most hospitals have it. Yeah, I think so. And there's no shame in that counseling game. Let me tell you, so many people see counselors that are not in healthcare. Like actually my husband is a counselor. So like, it's just, if, if you need it and which I would argue most people at some point in their life 
could totally benefit from some counseling. Mm -hmm. And especially if your everyday life is working in in your patient's worst nightmare. Like, that's your everyday work. Like, there's no, like, shame or you're not weak or whatever if you if you need to talk about this with somebody. Yeah, and, and formal is great, informal is important, but, you know, if you're going with your mentor, it, you have to be open and honest. And, you know, I was fortunate when I made my first big error to have somebody to go to who was incredibly supportive, um, who I still remember to this day that conversation and really was instrumental in, in getting me to stay. But, you know, you have... It needs to be someone who is constructive and open, mm-hmm. open-minded, and non-judgmental, but allows you that opportunity to speak. And I think that's the benefit of a counselor is they don't have any stake in anything yep. except for helping you and and where you are mentally with whatever is going on. So yeah, because the more you try to push through and say you don't need it or don't whatever, like the less you get to enjoy your job and your life because you're not processing those really important emotions that you're probably experiencing that mm-hmm. may be hindering you from experiencing, I guess, that joy that you could be having. Yeah. Um, and so I think that kind of concludes our episode on mistakes. So it's important to remember, though, that you're not alone. Every nurse out there has made some sort of mistake. And unfortunately, even though we try not to let it happen, the reality is that at some point we're probably going to make another mistake. It's important how you handle it, how you how you own up to it, deal with it, learn from it, and then release it. So yeah, thanks, guys, very much for listening. Check out, I'm going to put some links to on the um, show notes, uh, freshrn.com slash podcast for a couple of the things. Actually, and we were talking about subjective, objective data. I have a really good blog post from another blog that does a great job of differentiating between subjective and objective. So um, thanks, nurses, and stay fresh. Damn crap, better hit the floor. All the other fellas better run for the door. Stop, drop, and roll with me. I got the heat.